can't. I've not really done much research, to be honest with you, because <laughs> um, I just haven't. So who's going to start? Are you going to start, or am I going to start? It? You're going to start. You're presenting it, mate. Oh what? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I ain't got to do the sponsors, have I? You're going to do all the sponsors. I'll do all that. I'll do that. Just say hello, welcome. I'm Lee Camp. You need to talk, talk Darby to me or something. Connect Red are a Midlands based telecommunications company with branches in Cannock, Derby, and Burton on Trent in partnership with Vodafone UK. Our shops are currently closed due to the pandemic, but we are here to help in any way we possibly can. Get in touch with us for any of your tech and communication needs, consumer or business, and we can tailor individual packages and cater for multi-bundle deals too. Visit us at connectred.co.uk. That's C-O-N-N-E-K-T-R-E-D and drop us a message. Running with Jake, the podcast. So let me get this right. We've got about a minute to tell the listeners of Talk Derby to me about our podcast, our show, the Running with Jake podcast. Yeah, we have you. Get on with it. This is brilliant. What? Why are you talking like that? Because I'm from. You don't normally talk like that. Because I'm on Talk Derby to me. I just thought I'd be a little bit more Derby. That's all right. Is that all right? Well, I well, don't I, know. What? I mean, that's. I'm. A, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm from Derby as well, but I'm not talking like that. I've. I've not suddenly slipped into that accent. Well, maybe you should. You can be a little bit more Derby. I'm going to tell the lovely listeners of Talk Derby to me about our podcast, our show. Hey, they're not lovely. Carry on. <laughs> running with Jake, the podcast. Yes, it's a running show for all levels of ability. We talk fitness. We talk health. We talk the mental side of training. But, 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 but. We kind of like to have a bit of a laugh as well, right? We talk about more stuff than just running. We leave no stone unturned. We talk about a whole bunch of stuff. And yes, we've got listeners from all over the world, but our favourite are from Derby. I mean, I'm a Chad lad. You're from the city centre. We are Derby people. Come on, a listen youth. If you're into running or having a laugh, just search Running With Jake, the podcast. You might like it, me duck. Right, see you down Dolphin later, yeah? Welcome to the Talk Darbyson Podcast, I'm Blake Fellows. For those of you who don't know, who've only either just started listening or haven't worked their way back through the episodes yet, this is the fourth time we've had Lee Camp on. It started during lockdown, we did like a lockdown special with him and then um, a second part when we got into lockdown again uh, and then we recorded two more bits when I think the first one of the, the ones we've done this year was January just after it was announced we were going back into lockdown so we got Campy back on to catch up with him. So this one, we've pretty much run out of, of things to do, really. So he's interviewing me. Um, <laughs> it's a good laugh. Like I know majority of you won't actually care about anything about me or all the answers I've got, but we do have a good crowd. We talk about in depth about his time at Derby, the the brilliant side he played in 2004-05, our memories of growing up in Derby and, and all sorts of stuff like that. So it's a good listen still, even though it's uh, technically I'm the guest today. So, yeah. Scraping the barrel. Um, yeah, so Campy will be with you in a, in a second, host of Talk Derby today. But as ever, I just want to say thank you to Connect Red and Elite Football Development, our two sponsors who continue to support us week in, week out. Go and check them out on social media, please, 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 because it, it makes us look good and it means they'll continue to support us and I can continue to make podcasts. So thank you so much to them. I can't believe I'm saying this. Here's um, the host of Talk Derby to me, Lee Camp. Joined today by uh, Blake Fallows. Hi, I'm Lee Camp and I'm co-hosting. Is that right, Blake? Co-hosting? Yeah, yeah. Taught Derby uh, with you today. Slightly different format, as we mentioned on the podcast last week. That I think you deserve a bit of a stage now as... Um, as you've interviewed everyone, get, correct me if I'm wrong, you've, you've interviewed everybody and spoke to people, people who have, have done stuff in sports world, acting, so on and so on, are Derby people. And now yeah. you've built a bit of a name for yourself as like a like a, a podcast pioneer for Derby. I think it's only fair that you're now, you know, a man of the, man of the people of Derby. So 
Um, it's only fair we give them an opportunity to hear your backstory um, and for you to tell your truths, so yeah. to speak. So I'll start with a little, I've done no research. I'm not going to lie, I'm just, just going to tell you straight. I've done no research. I don't even know your age. doesn't really matter. So whenever we're away and it's your first away trip, you have, you've heard of the initiation song, haven't you? Yeah. So I recently had to do one. So you get up on the chair and you have to say, what's your name, where you come from, and give a little background. So, over to you. Name, <laughs> age, where you from? Uh, Blake Fallows, 27, originally Olverston, and now reside in Oakwood. Have I got a singer song at all? No, no singing. <laughs> so you say you're from Oakwood, but I've done a little bit of research as a lie. I do know one thing. You say you're from Oakwood, but are you really Chad? It's the opposite way around, actually. I actually, my postcode is Oakwood, but I say I'm from Chad because I like to sound odd. Right, fair enough. Okay. Well, we can work with that one. That was that was about as much information I got out of Mark, <laughs> um, whose contribution to the research was nil, which is basically why I've done no research. So, but uh, so tell us where you grew up, where you started. Obviously, you're a massive Derby County fan. We know that. Um, so just give us a bit of a background of of your upbringing when you first sort of got involved with Derby, supporting Derby and, and you know, the floor's yours. Uh, so I grew up in, in Olverston and then Chelliston. I went to Chelliston School. Um, I went to Chelliston Junior School, Infant School. First started watching Derby County in the in the late 90s, early noughties. I think I went to a few games in like 98, 99, can't really remember them. Um, vague memories of it, didn't really understand the game. Really started going... Um, 2002, 2003, uh, my first memories were, were watching, uh, well, my first real proper memories were watching a, a pretty decent team, like the 2004 team, five team that got into the playoffs. Um, there was, uh, yeah, because I was a goalkeeper growing up. I don't know if you know this about me, Lee. Um, I was a goalkeeper, so I always used to look up to the goalkeepers and luckily there was a brilliant, brilliant goalkeeper in that side at the time and I've, I've always looked up to Lee Grant and and from that, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I started going in, like really knowing about it in, in the mid noughties really. And then I did about 13 years from about 2005, six to 2007, uh, 2017, sorry, when I started at BBC Radio Derby, I did 13 years home and away and didn't miss a game. So, so my ex, if I was on Mastermind, I'd go from 2005 to 2017, Derby County home and away. That'd be my, my category. Well, I'd go up against you with that because um, my knowledge on that time as well was pretty good. So I'd like to go one-on-one with you at some point. And uh, maybe that could be a future podcast down the line. But I'll yeah. do no research for it. So that'll all be on you. So let's go back then to your school days. Played football, sport, all that. Yeah. That all started at junior school, I presume. Yeah, yeah. I played I played for Chelliston Boys um, at 7-8 alongside Ben Osborne, who's gone on to play Premier League football now. He's at Sheffield United. There was Ryan Baker as well. He was another good footballer. He's at Belper now. Um, so yeah, I played for Chelliston boys. I just played played for a lot of local teams. Uh, playing, I played a bit of cricket. I, I was more of a cricket fan than a player. I, I couldn't really grasp how to play it, um, but loved loved playing it. Um, I also played for uh, local wise Chelliston. I played for Borough Fix later on, which is a, a local non-league side. Um, Alongside again, alongside some great players, some of some of my mates, and an honour to play on the ground. Really, I used to go up there with um, when I was a kid because my nan lives in Borough and to me, Borough Fix was like this big stadium kind of thing, and to play there and, and to do that, that was brilliant. Uh, never really, never really any good at football. Uh, used to prefer watching it really, uh, so ended up just giving up my football and going to watch football rather than rather than playing. I didn't, I didn't have that thing in, in me that you have and other people have to to you've got that something special in you to to make it at a, at a big level and I was never at that level I could always see it in other people that I played with you look at Ben Osborne, Jamal Asselz, um Will Hughes people that were in and around that I knew at that time that were just you knew they had something special about him I was just a bang average kid playing a, playing above my level a lot of the time really I, I always played a little bit better than I should have but yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And the, like when we, we first spoke, the, the City League, um, playing on Sundays, you can't beat that, getting your little yellow cards out and um, and playing in Derby. And it was a good standard. So, yeah, I loved playing, but I was never it was never going to be a career for me. 
No, I think I think you're right in what you say in terms of the standard around Derby. We've touched on it before. I know your old man. Obviously, we had a little bit of a like a connection with the old Blue Pool set up and Johan and people like that. It, it really is a a real hotbed for football derby. And I think when you go, you know, you'll have to go down the race course and see the amount of people that play football, the support that obviously follow Derby County and probably throughout Derbyshire with obviously Chesterfield is still a professional football club within Derbyshire. It is a real hotbed for, for football. And you mentioned the names that are, are coming out. It's um, when you actually speak about it, you do realise, don't you? It all does start at, at that level. So you probably did yourself a bit of a disservice to be on the same in the same environment of of that. It's uh, it's an achievement. So when did you first? So you started going to watch Derby in the nineties. Who did you go with? Who? What was the gang? Obviously, cause uh, you wouldn't it, go. You wouldn't go to Pride Park on your own as a. No, no. I used to go. With, I used to go with my dad initially, and home and away. I'm, I'm similar to what, what Mark does. Really, like the away games, I'd always be with. With my dad, um, occasionally I'd travel differently. When I got to like you 14, 15 and you, you watch Football Factory a couple of times and you, you, you get your Stone Island top and you start you start going on the train and that, don't you? Thinking you're like 10 men. But I had that little stage where I, I was running around a little bit thinking I was Danny Dyer, but mainly just going with my dad. And this is a side of it that I had a little bit, a, a couple of years where I wanted to be with the stood at the back singing and all that. But being a proper, a massive football fan, I just wanted to sit and watch the game. Because there were games where I'd go and you'd sing, you'd sing your heart out for 90 minutes and have a few beers. And then someone would say, oh, do you see that? And you think, no, I can't remember that. So I used to prefer to just sit, stand or sit and watch, actually watch the game and, and learn about the game. And I'd like to think that it gave me a bit of a base knowledge for doing what I'm doing now by actually sitting and watching a lot of football. And there's no substitute for that, really, because I've just done a, a football journalism degree at Derby. And don't get me wrong, they're all cracking lads and girls, but it's the same as anything you can't really fake it same as you can't fake other things in other walks of life you can't fake knowledge about the game so that that grounding of going to watch Derby County I'd, I'd like to think give me a bit of a base knowledge about the game and and how the game works yeah I think you're right I think you can't I suppose like 100% agree with what you're saying in terms of you have to have an idea of what you're doing and whatever you go into you're not going to be successful by blagging people do come along and blag but they don't last long and I think um and that's wise words. So well, let's talk about this 0405 team. What was your favourite? Um, what was your favourite part of the team? Oh, see, at the time, obviously, look at Inigo Raziak, who's just kindly said he's going to come on the podcast, which for me is absolutely mental. That getting that message, and then today I've had one off Lee Carsley. We're again off topic, but mental. But like I said, uh, I messaged you the other day and I said I looked at uh, the the. 3-1 victory against State that went 1-0 down and, and that goal from Raziak and it, it reminded me that like how good that team was. Was that Rotherham? Was that Rotherham away? No, was the one at Stoke, Stoke at home. The 1-0 down, it was like a cross from the right. You were in goal and it was like a header, it was like a near post cross that got flicked on, went back post, went 1-0 down uh, and then Raziak kind of turned and then he's like on his left foot like a impossibly like cute angle and he just feeds it through the goalkeeper's legs no, I can't remember I remember him scoring a similar sort of goal at Rotherham away yeah I can remember down that one as well yeah I think I was down at the bottom of the hill when he sort of turned and put it through someone's legs um, no anyway carry on yeah but I think that I think that side and I think you quite right, rightly pointed out and you said how good that side was and I think because two three years later they're going up and then you've got the Premier League it, that side kind of gets lost in recent history doesn't it that like how good that team were and like you touched on the scouting from George and his team to bring in uh, Idiakes and Raziaks and like getting Ian Taylor in as, as captain coming from a Prem side like some of the, the signings and, and people that came into that that team were it was a great side what what I mean obviously I'm not meant to be asking you a question but can you remember like Idiakes and, and Raziak and people like coming in and like the effect they had yeah um Obviously, we won't touch on it too long because we want to obviously carry on with your stuff. But yeah, I remember that pre-season was a bit bit of a weird pre-season because Tails had been there a year. We had Michael Johnson had been there a year, um, and they were they were like the senior figures of the side. Pesh had come in, I think, towards the back end of that year because I remember him scored the goal against Forest when it hit the cup. So I think he came in around about that time. 
um, Jeff Kenner came in. So these were these were top senior pros at the time. They were they were they weren't just journeyman pros. These were top pros. Jeff Kenner's a Premier League winner. Pesci's had a fantastic career. Always scored goals. Jono was a was a I mean a warrior as a centre half and 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 probably won't mind me saying this, but he wasn't a six foot five centre half. He was probably what is he five ten Jono. So he he was always up against it. So it was we had that nucleus, and then if you, there's a lot of unsung heroes within that within that team. If you look at like Adam Boulder, Richie Jackson, Pablo Mills emerged in that side. Tom Alderson, um and Lee Holmes were in their second year as kids. Like you, you think at the time, but they were like 17. They're kids. They're babies in the world of of where they were. So they had a real nucleus, and then it was Simon Hunt, I think. I'm not doing anybody any discredit, but I'm sure it was Simon Hunter who was George's chief scout that pulled Inigo from Spain. Um, and again, I'm not 100% sure. I don't know if Inigo had had some contract disputes with Sociedad or something had happened with the finances in general in, in, in Spanish football, but we was able to get him for next to nothing or on a free. I'm not quite sure, but he was a bit of a goof. And then, and then Gregor showed up and you were like, who is this guy? And then within a couple of games, you were thinking, "Wow, what a signing is!" And I'm sure, I'm sure Greg come in for free, and the, the team just gelled. We just seemed to have this knack of um, we had a good core of senior players, an emergence of young talent, and then them, what you probably call mid twenties, which are establishing themselves as senior players, shall we say? And it was a perfect blend. And I think the team got ripped up too early. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, like the likes of Tommy Smith and, and Morton Biscard. Who, who had come in. I think Morton had been there a year. Tommy come in and was a, a revelation. And then there was like the homegrowns of like me, Tuggy, people like that. So there was a real mix in the group, which, it, it, and it just clicked. It just clicked. And Ego just came into the group. Fantastic. Greg, Greg was settled in. It was just, it was just a great group. And I think it does get lost a little bit because it was only one season. Um, and obviously it lost in the playoffs, but, we just ran out of momentum. I think the general of that season was we did just run out of a bit of steam and we come up against a good Billy Davis Preston team, which probably they should have probably gone up that year. In fairness, they, they blew it. It went at the millennium then. Cardiff. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, it was a good team. It was a good team. It's a good memory to have because I mean, it's a good standard. So then obviously in, in the next couple of years, it, I mean, the next year wasn't great, but then moving forward, the club gets has a great year, gets promoted. So what's your thoughts then? What are you thinking when the club gets promoted and you see what happens at Wembley and you think the club's on the, on the way back because the late nineties it was a premiership side and it was an established premiership side and then it, it's obviously dropped off pretty quick in the early... Sorry, in the late 90s and in the early 2000s, it obviously gets relegated, has a couple of years of financial trouble. You see it get promoted at Wembley. So what's your thoughts then going into the Premier League? That season was a strange one because even though we were winning week in, week out, and it was like a lot of one nils, hard team to beat, it was it always felt, well, to me anyway, that this is going to end at some point. But it just didn't. Do you know what I mean? Like, we got got to November and we won every game in November. And, and it just kept, this momentum kept building, but you just kept thinking, this bubble's going to burst at some point. Like, that, that was my feeling anyway, because... Like, it was a good side, but it wasn't the greatest side that should be top of the league. When you look at the West Broms and Sunderland as well, when they're up there that year, weren't they? And there were some great teams. And I mean, you have to look at Wembley, the way West Brom played against us. Um, so I kept thinking that at some point this bubble was going to burst. And it didn't. And we ended up finishing third. Obviously, at Palace wanted... You played, do you play Palace? Yeah. Yeah. So like, obviously, um, at that game, then you, then you realise you're, the, you're in the playoffs. And... Even going into the playoffs, finishing third, and then another another good team, Southampton. Southampton were an unbelievable side, like compared to like some man for man. But to do them over two legs, it just always felt like we were like, oh, we just we, like that was the final step. Oh, we've got to Wembley now, and even it was like everything was an extra step. So I never quite felt like we were ready for the prem. It wasn't like we'd won the league with hundred points. You go right, let's go give it a go. I felt like because we kind of stumbled over and got there. Um, obviously still exciting and I did a piece for Premier League TV the other day at Pride Park talking about the this the following season and uh, and it brought back memories of like the opening day against Portsmouth going to the ground with Radio Derby on 
and it was like we're back. And because I, my first memories and people in my age's first memories of Derby were a cracking Premier League side. So we just kind of felt, all oh, right, we're back now. And obviously a brilliant opening day. But then the season, they were just woefully unprepared. I, I think as a fan, and I'm not doing anyone a disservice because I know people that were involved in the club. But it, obviously getting to the playoff final sets you back a few weeks, doesn't it? And some of the players you maybe would have got in for aren't there. And But it just felt like we got found out very, very quickly. And I think the third game of the season at Tottenham away with 3-0 down after 14 minutes. I think that was when the bubble burst. The, the bubble that I'm talking about all through that season, I think that's when it burst. Um, and we and I thought, yeah, we've been found out a little bit now. I think this is, we're punching above our weights here. This is going to be a long old season. So where was you? In, I'm just trying to do my math now. Math ain't my strongest point. So where was you in terms of like schooling when this was happening? Where was you in terms of like your playing? Oh, so I'd have been 14, 15, I think, during the Prem season. So I'd right, still been playing. I was playing, I think I was back at Chelliston at the time, just playing Sunday League with a few of my mates. So I'd have been like year 10, I think. So yeah, I think I'd been year 10 uh, and just playing Sunday League for Chelliston, I think, at that time. My memory's not great with football. Like, it's a good job I never made it because I'd be a crap podcast because I'd, I, I can't remember any games. I can only remember one game playing for Boris Fix under 18s at Smalley. <laughs> And I, and I saved a free kick. I tipped it over the bar. And I just remember my mate Dodzy, who's still my mate now, just called up going, top save, fella. And that's one of my only memories of football. So you're, at, say, so you're in year 10 now. So when did you, when did you think, right, well, this, the football dream isn't going to happen? When, what, what was you thinking leaving school? Was you good at school? Was you good in class? Did you have uh, any plans to go on to further education, if you did? Or was you looking I, at getting into the world and making some money or... You know, what was your mind? Where was you at in your head at this stage? I can remember being 15 and having like a brochure for Derby College and like just going, all right, I'm just going college. And just thinking, uh, and I remember just going through and thinking, going, oh, fuck it, that'll do. BTEC extended diploma in manufacturing engineering is what I picked. I thought, in Derby, I'm going to be an engineer. Went, went to Derby College at the Roundhouse for two years, did that. Uh, I worked as an engineer from, well, did I started engineering at 16 at Derby College and then, uh, till I was about 23, I think, 23, 24, and just hated it. <laughs> like, did it to a good, like, went uni and did it, and, like, I was a designer, and I did it to a good level, but it was just never me. So, like, I think there's a lot to be said for having, like, if, if there's anyone at, like, 15, 16, 17 listening now who just thinks, oh, it doesn't matter, it, it actually does matter a little bit, like, what you're choosing, and because you're going to have to get up when it's cold and frosted over and do this for the next 50 years. So do something you love. And um, my mum my mom always used to say to me, actually, like, I'm not bothered what you do for a job as long as you get up in the morning and you want to do it. So that, so that's that's kind of the attitude I'd, I'd tell anyone. Like, it's a long, you're doing it for a long time. So yeah, I did engineering. Didn't just want for me, just bored all the time. Worked on building sites for a couple of years, potted around, did a bit of painting and decorating, did a bit of scaffolding, and then um, applied for Derby Uni to do football journalism. So while you're on the building sites and doing your college and, and obviously working your way up before you apply for Derby, uh, Derby Uni, you obviously mentioned you're travelling up and down the country watching Derby. Still going with your old man or have you now ventured into going with your mates and you're getting a bit boozy and a bit leery, standing at the back chanting? So what? So where was you here? When was, when was the bit where you were obviously being a bit of a hooligan by your own admission and then you, you dropped into just watching the game? I'd say 18 to about 21, 22. I was a nightmare. But not a nightmare, like like a horrible nightmare. It wasn't like running around beating people up, just like loose, just off the like just getting beery. Like like Mark touched on, I used to drink in the Neptune. I worked there for a short while as well. And just going on the going on the Neptune coaching away game is, well, I think it's a bit different now. I'm not doing them at a disservice, but when I was 18, 19, if you were on that bus, it was like, this. if you've ever seen the football fetch when you go to Liverpool away, it was like that. It was like 35 meatheads and like some skinny 18-year-old sat in the back row. But it, it was, yeah, it was, it's, looking back, it's brilliant. But yeah, at the time I was a bit, yeah, a bit all over the shop with it all. But I think that's because I was a little bit lost in what I was doing in general. And Derby County became a little bit of an outlet, if that makes sense, that you look forward to your Saturdays and I know loads of people like that. Same as you will uh, leave for people that follow Derby and follow other teams that 
it's the life really there's a, there's a lot of people in and it was mine for for a long time. It's pretty much all I had to look forward to. So, yeah, eighteen to twenty one, twenty two. I was yeah, I was a bit all over the shop. So the team then would be, I'm um, guessing, would this be Cluffy? Would yeah, Cluffy like the start of Cl- the start of Cluffy. Yeah. So that team, so that team, obviously, I was thought was quite a good team, and I, I don't know. I'm only looking from from the outside looking in briefly because obviously I'm playing and doing whatever. But I always thought that was. I always thought that was a bit of an underachieving team. I always thought they was good players, um, and I thought Cluffy recruited really well. Like as we've touched on in the past, people like Bryce, he always gets a mention Bryce for some reason. But like Johnny Russell, these sort of players that have come come down from Scotland and done well, because there's always this bit of a thing: oh, don't sign players from Scotland. They never, they're not good enough, and all this. You hear all these things around, but if you look at Cluffy's record, he had a really good record bringing players down and developing youth. So what do you think of that side? Because, like I said, I, I thought it probably slightly underachieved. Again, I could be completely wrong because I didn't probably see it and study it to the extent of, of what you did. But what's your take on that sort of, what was it, 08 to yeah, 12, uh, was it that period? So 08 to 12, I think 12 is when, when that team kind of kicked, when he'd made his mark on it. And I think at the time, and looking back, I was harsh on Clough because obviously you go in and he had a job to do and he had a remit to obviously we're at this point, we're only three years since the three amigos and the club near enough going bust. We've just had a relegation from the Premier League, spent a load of money we never had in January, even though we're pretty much relegated. So there's been, I mean, we've, we've pretty much only just finished paying Ravinelli off. And, and so so you've got like three different things there. You've got like the team that came down in 2002 is only six years ago. The Three Amigos is three years ago. You A year ago, you've just been relegated from the Prem. So he had a lot of shit to work through, which I didn't probably give him credit for at the time. And on reflection, I think he did. He did a brilliant job, a brilliant job. And when you look at getting people like Bryce, um, Bryce was somewhat daft. There'll be Derby fans screaming how much he was, but it was a couple of hundred grand tops. Yeah, fifty or 300 grand or something. Remarkable. Craig, Craig Forsyth, 175 grand. He's been he's been at the club now, uh, ten years coming up for ten years, 175 grand signing. Um, yeah. So to get rid of get rid of a lot of the don't get me wrong, we had to watch a lot of crap football and we went to Cardiff three years in a row, conceded six twice and five once, and it was going all over the place. And we got pumped a few times, but coming out the back of it, 2012, I think is when it started to click, and he'd he'd made his mark on it a little bit, and he'd got rid of. It, it, yeah, it was a cluff side then. From about 2012, it was a cluff. It was a cluffy side, and it had. And when you look at McLaren coming in and and Clough eventually leaving after he lost at Forest, and the side that McLaren near enough took up is it's a it's a Nigel Clough side. Take out one or two loan signings, that's a Nigel Clough side. So yeah, I think I underestimated the job he was doing at the time, massively. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was just about to to touch on that. I think I think in that period. With with Nigel as manager, he obviously inherited, like you say, such a big wage bill in a position they was in. I don't know the figures, and I'm sure there'll be people who will know the figures. But he did drop the wage bill, something mm-hmm. ridiculous to from what it was to where it is. And you think of the quality, the actual. <clears throat> what's the best way to put it? You you touched on then with, with this the the standard of, of football. But if you look at what the out, what what you were spending and what the output of football was to where Cluffy brought it within to make it sustainable and got the football club back on track, then you say, I mean, I can't comment because I didn't see it, but you say the standard of football wasn't great. I suppose that's where I'd probably get that little bit of, what's, what was it like? They underachieved because I thought the team, it's like, I'm, I'm really making this a mess of this. We brought the wage bill down. Yeah, no, he's saying. I thought yeah. the standard of team went up. If that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. The team when they was earning the big money was wasn't a particularly great team. It looked like a bunch of journeymen and oddmen, really, just all chucked together. Like you say, the whole January in the Premier League, and then he sort of waded through all the mess and got a settled side together. And then, like you say, it clicked. I think I think it underachieved on the pitch. But we'll probably never really know because, like you say, because of the because he got sacked, maybe it just. I hope people understand what we're trying to say there. But yeah, I know. I, don't it. It. Yeah. I thought that like he, 
it was a real transition period for the football club. Mm. And sometimes when you are transitioning like that, there probably is a little bit of stuff to wade through. And it's probably going to be a little bit unpretty before you get to the... It's like the club taking three steps back to, to yeah. go four forward, isn't it? And I think his time was probably cut a little bit too short. And it was, it was essentially, that team was a cluffy side, wasn't it, in the end? Mm. A lot of the signings, like you say, take away... Um, the loan signings. But there's one signing in particular, which is a real good segue into this. I hope you like the, what I'm doing here with it. <laughs> like, the segue is, I've a little birdie's told me that Chris Martin is your favourite Derby County player. Well, former favourite Derby County player. No, still favourite. No, my favourite Derby player favorite. of all time. Right, I'm going to tell you a little story about the signing of um, Chris Martin, right? And this is a true story what happened is Chris Martin was on loan at Swindon Town right from Norwich City I signed for Norwich City in January 13 and you you can check this back you can check this if you're listening <laughs> I signed in January 13 Chris Martin got recalled from his loan spell at uh, Swindon right so Mark Robbins goes to Huddersfield he's either at Huddersfield or he goes to Huddersfield in January he takes, um, as one of his coaches, Darren Robinson, who I'm really pally with. So Darren calls me and goes, wants a reference on Chris Martin. I knew Chris from the first time I went to Norwich in 06, when he was a young pro or a young, and he was mustard. You just knew he was good. Like you mentioned about, you knew he was going to be top class. Anyway, went out, scored a load of goals, came back. And um, rings me, Chris Martin, I said, take him in a heartbeat. I think he's up at the end of the season on a free transfer. Norwich aren't going to renew him. You probably get him on loan. He'd be brilliant. Score you 20 goals. Not so sure. I said, take him. Take him. Just take him. Whatever he costs, whatever his wages are, just take him to the end of the season. It's an audition. You'll see how good he is. Mm, not so sure. Who did Huddersfield sign that January window? Cluffy sold Mark Robbins, Theo Robinson. Wow. Theo Robinson goes to Huddersfield. The money from the Theo Robinson gets Chris Martin into Derby. Wow. So I'm not, I had nothing to do with Chris Martin coming to Derby County. I'm not, not saying that. But I, I gave the reference to Huddersfield and said, take him. He'll score you 20 goals. He's a free. Where are you going to get 20 goals on a free transfer from in the championship? Anyway, got sold. Theo, door opens up. Who walks in at Pride Park? who scored 20 goals the next season. Next two seasons. So your favourite player is because my reference carries absolutely zero weight. That's what with I was my say. Mate. If you went <laughs> your way, he wouldn't have even stepped foot into Pride Park. <laughs> well, I didn't know Darby wanted him. Cluffy's, Cluffy's done the old, you know, smoke and mirrors, hasn't he, and got him in. So anyway, that's a little Chris Martin story. As soon as, soon as I heard that he was your favourite player, I thought, well, that would be a nice little hey, way as- in. But anyway, as, champ- as championship strikers go, I mean, even even now at, at Bristol City, there's not many better. I hated training with him. I hated playing against him. He always scored past me. He's an absolute pest. He's one of the better strikers that I've played against. And I, I, I know he's, he's like every player has always took his criticism. He's a player. And I always hated playing against him. And the one thing he's got about him, he's a nasty shit as well and he'll leave it on you. We talked last week about the cheating in the dark arts. Mate, he knows more than anyone. He can leave a bit on you. And um, the rest is history, as they say. Oh, brilliant. Well, I like that story. I like that. I'm going to tell I'm going to tell my mates down the pub, but I'll probably forget it by September or whenever I'm hard back in. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you could just see he was just one of them players. You could just see it. Do you know what I mean? That he was, mm. he was there. So that's your team. So then... <clears throat> Where um, where was your thoughts on McLaren and that side? Because obviously that side went to Wembley, lost in the in the final. So what was your what was your take? Like, are you giving McLaren credit for that, or are you saying that he just picked up the the sort of baton from from Nigel? I think McLaren did then similar to what he's done now when he's come back in. I think the nucleus was there. It's just that that touch, just that little bit of. Just the the extra little bit of nous that he's he knows he's just got that that little bit of bite him anti that he came in he had a look and he thought right well, this is what we need to get us over the line and from him coming in from well the first game was the four one four one down at uh, well four one at half time against Ipswich 
and we ended up drawing 4-0 when he went into the change rooms. Darren Ross was was caretaker manager and McLaren went in and said his bit and that just kind of kick-started the season and that was the best football I've seen Derby County play in my lifetime. That that season and a little bit of the following season when we should have gone up again. Unplayable. And when we've had like, I think Bryce said it and uh, Johnny Russell said it when they came on. Johnny Russell was saying that they weren't turning up to um, games thinking, are we going to win? It was like, how many are we going to win by today? Like They were playing such football. It was just, and even if they went one nil down, they were going, oh, better switch on now, lads. And then it'd be like four, five, one. And it was, they were just like, just incredible. Some of the football, I remember like Yeovil away, 25 passes for Bryce to score. Um, yeah, ju- just, yeah, <laughs> it was actually. <laughs> that was a guess. Just wanted to have a Bryce. I'm sorry, I just had to have him. Had to have him. Um, but yeah, just the standard of football, I think it, as much as we've big cluff up, I don't think if it had stayed, I'm not saying we wouldn't have gotten the playoffs, but I don't think we'd have seen the football we saw. I don't think I don't know why. Obviously, it's McLaren's way to do the four-four-three, very direct, very yeah. It's very McLaren way to do that. Be very attacking, and like we drew four all at Huddersfield, and we drew like we, there were some crazy games, but it was brilliant. It was really, really good. So yeah, I, I you've got to give McLaren and Simo and Eric Steele uh, a lot of credit for for getting us to Wembley, and, and losing at Wembley was a crime, to be honest. It was. I remember watching it. And it was it was a tough one to swallow, obviously, for yourself and other Derby fans. Execute Garrick Derby mixed mm. emotions. Didn't shed too many tears, but anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to then talking about your um, your college. So you now you've applied to go to the college for your football. Yeah, uh, go on, run that by me again. That's football way too ju- football, ju- football journalism degree. So what made you switch? Because you've gone from let's say the building site and engineering and, and that it's a completely different feel. What's your, what's your thinking of it? Dude, genuinely, I don't think I've ever told anyone this. I went on, well, they know that went, I went on Soccer AM and um, I, went, I went on twice actually. And I remember going on Soccer AM and seeing these lads having a laugh and I thought, this is a bit of me, this like genuinely and on art. And I remember thinking I've got to do something. I'm not just going to keep potting around for the rest of my life. Like, going in a pub and then going on site and all this. And I remember thinking, sitting on, on my laptop, my old laptop on my dining room table and thinking, fuck it, I'm going to apply for this because uh, I want a bit of that. Uh, I want to work on Soccer M or something. That's like, fuck, nah, imagine doing that for a living. So I I applied and then, like, I didn't really have the right academic qualifications and stuff to get on a degree. So I ended up writing, like, a fan column for The Telegraph for a few weeks just to get some stuff under my belt. Um, Nico, Steve Nicholson, let me do a couple of reports for like the reses and just flute my way onto it, really. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was just me, one, me not wanting to work for a living, and two, just having that passion and knowledge about football. So luckily, that came that look that came at the same time that I applied for this thing at Radio Derby. So the the by fate, they just like came hand in hand. The Radio Derby and the uni came at the same time. Well, go on then. That was going to be my next question, but go on, take it away. So, how does that? How did them two worlds? I I applied for a thing called um, Kickoff Reporter, which was basically for young, not young kids, but like sixteen to whatever. Come in the summer, come two days a week for six weeks, see what it's like working at a radio station. So I remember I knew Owen Bradley kind of, so I messaged Owen Bradley and was like, "Oh, I need some advice for this." Sends me, "Oh, this is everything you've got to say." Yeah, oh, you'll be signed. Walking Radio Derby, he's interviewing me. So, like, I've got all this. So, he's interviewing for me this thing. Like, he's told me everything today, going, oh, you'll be brilliant, blah, blah. He's interviewing me alongside Aaron, who's the, like, the news, the uh, sports editor. And then he's done it. And I thought, I fucking nailed that. He's told me what to say. I've said it. He's interviewing me. I've got this in the bag. So, this is on a Friday. And I've gone, like, gone home, uh, waiting. Oh, it'll probably be this afternoon. If not, it'll be Monday. So, I didn't hear anything until the Monday. Got a phone call. Ever sorry, um, uh, you've not got the job. So I thought, all oh, right, like gutted, absolutely got. I thought I've nailed that. I mean, OB sorted me out here. Um, but he said, but you've impressed us, and you kind of came second. So come for a couple of days' work experience. So I got two Saturdays, uh, just two Saturdays working. I'm just sat there watching it work, and I just kept going. Can I come back next Saturday? Yeah, of course you can. Can I come back next Saturday? Did that for a few months, and then ended up getting a bit of paid work and just being a nuisance, really. I think they just started paying me to like shut me up, but. 
yeah, just from that interview, I got work experience and just gave it everything. I gave it everything like it was my last chance in life. And that sounds like a bit dramatic, but that's how I was seeing it. Like, if you're not, if it's not going to happen for you now, Blake, it's never going to happen. I think it's a case of diving in, like we said, like jumping with two feet and have a go. I think once you get in the building, it gives you an opportunity to grow mm. and you find your path and you find your way, which seems to be since you obviously started doing a bit with, with Nico at the Telegraph and then going into the radio station, it seems to be a bit of the way you've blagged your way through, I mean, worked your way through <laughs> <laughs> to becoming Derby's finest podcaster. So, so what's your job now? So, what what do you actually do? What is you? What does it entail? What's your daily sort of thing rather than always sitting talking to me on a Thursday afternoon? <laughs> so, my my title is journalism. Can we, can, can we just? You do actually have a job, <laughs> right? Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. This is right. This is a job. Uh, thanks, Connect Red. Uh, and um, so, yeah, my my job title is journalism coordinator, which is a fancy job for fancy title. It's been changed recently. Basically, I'm a broadcast assistant, producer type character, but I work on sport, and so, so I'm only really contracted to weekends. So I work on sports scene, like put all that, produce that show, put all that together. So when you hear the commentary, if you listen to Radio Dog on a Saturday, I'll be behind the glass or in the studio, clipping stuff so we could play it out, getting interviews ready, writing news getting people, getting commentaries ready, doing all stuff like that. And uh, I also do, like, I work on the breakfast show a lot um, as a producer. So go in and like work behind the glass, getting guests lined up, trying to think of stories. So yeah, if people listen to this, think, fucking hell, that bloke actually does that for a living. He's not just this clown who interviews footballers all the time. Trying to think of stories. Are you suggesting that the media make up stories there? We don't make but, stories. Uh, we try to find a news line uh, in stories. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Just, just kind no, of I mean, I... <laughs> looking, looking on Facebook and seeing that like Chatsworth's second youngest butcher's dog's gone missing and we get him on and all that kind of stuff. Butcher's dog, that's serious, that is. You can't lose a butcher's dog, mate. <laughs> yeah, they're fit, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I've never caught one. <laughs> no, I've never seen you catch one. Oh, you mean a butcher's dog? <laughs> I just keep setting them up, keep getting slapped in the face. Mate, if, a, if a butcher's dog came near you, you'd flap at it. <laughs> I probably would. I'd just no, miss really it. I'm really joking. I'm really joking. miss it, it'd be... Just go past me, no problem. Are you a teacher or teaching assistant? Are you looking for your next role within education? LTF Recruitment specialise in the long term and permanent for schools across the Midlands and London. We currently work with over 200 schools and have helped nearly 500 people into new roles. For more information, visit ltfrecruitment.co.uk. So what's your take on, um, obviously we're moving into like Wayne Rooney's Derby County now. I had to, I'll have to change my CV because I had to change it to Frank Lampard's Derby County. I, I can't keep, I can't work out whose Derby County it is, to be honest with you. But we're obviously moving on. But if we just rewind 18 months or so to the Philip Cocker era, Frank Lampard leaves. He probably mm. can't help but leave. He gets a fantastic opportunity to go to his club, Chelsea. I, I don't think you can stand in his way and I don't think you can have any hard feelings really for what for what he produced and the level of football he produced for the football club in the 12 months he was there. So Philip Koku comes in. What's your initial thoughts? Because obviously Philip Koku, growing up, same sort of era, man, obviously a little bit older than you. He was a, he was a legend. Oh, mate. Well, done, well as a, done well as a manager as well in his in his native country and, and so on. So what's your thoughts? He walks in the door because for me, it was a bit of a, ooh, where's that one come from? Yeah, I th- I, I thought, at the time, I remember thinking, right, after Lampard goes, the club was on like a bit of a... Obviously, you've just lost uh, at Wembley. Weren't really in the game at Wembley. Lampard's gone. You've had a year of exciting football. There's kind of like a buzz around the club. And then when Lampard goes, the club's a bit like, Phew. so all of a sudden, you've, you're not going up. Um, You've lost Lampard. And at the time, that appointment lifted the club. And I thought it was a masterstroke from Mal who, or whoever it was within the club that, that got Koku in. I thought it was a masterstroke at... At that point, I thought that's a even for the the point of he was one of the best players in the world at one point. He he was world class. So yeah, to get a was. name like that in, I thought yeah, fair play because a lot of championship clubs and no disrespect to these managers would have gone for an obvious. So he, like even like a big Sam or, or something like that, the great manager. But it's kind of like the go to. It's just like they they've got five managers to can pick from all the time. So to go for something like that, I think for everything. 
for everything that's gone wrong or is going wrong with Derby at the minute, I think that some of them decisions, that that is a clever appointment. Same as Lampard was a clever appointment, I think. And it nearly paid off for Lampard. And I think Rooney may be similar. Um, so I, when he was first appointed, I thought, yeah, I think that's... Uh, it lifted me after after Lampard leaving, definitely. So what did you think his remit was when he, he came in? What was your take? What, why did you think they appointed him? From a fan's point of view or from your, your perspective? Because obviously I'm looking from the outside. It seems as if it was more um, youth development or an idea of developing youth, shall we say. See, this is this is where the problem arises. I don't know whether they wanted promotion, players to come through, or both. And my worry is, I think they wanted both. And uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily possible to kind of... If you want to put kids in, they've got to be ready. You can't... It's got to be natural that you look at a lad and chain go, right, he is now ready to step up. You can't go, right... We've got to play. We've got to have five players from the academy this season, no matter what, because you might have four that are brilliant and ready, and one that's probably not quite. And and I think, it, I think he was under pressure to play kids from the. I think his remit was you got to bring a few some kids through, and I think some of the people he played weren't ready. Um, I think they're going to be good players, but I don't think. I think he was playing. I think he was stuck between having to play people that weren't ready and people and playing people that could get you the results. Um, to get you out of the league. And I don't think they go hand in hand. So what, what does that look like then? So you, what sort of team would you think, or from we've, we've touched on, obviously you, you're doing what you're doing because of the knowledge you've gained. Over the years, how would you form, what would you think a promotion-looking side would look like in terms of a balance of a squad? So if I went as, if I went as Derby manager now, what would I go in and like look at it? To... Well, I just think, yeah, yeah. Thinking of all the years you've watched the good, the bad, the promotions, the nearlys. What do you think taken away from all? What do you think the sort of mix you need? If you if you were building a squad or looking at it in terms of not not necessarily I'm not talking about names or individuals, talk about a general census yeah. of it. I'd go spine first, because I if you're referring to Derby, I think you look at when we went up before, decent keeper, two experienced centre offs, um, Oakley in, in, in the middle, Steve Howard who gets you twenty goals. I think you've got to look straight through the middle of the side first. So we've got David Marsh at the minute, experienced keeper. Then you've got to go, we're lacking a little bit, centre-off, centre-midfield, still very young, um, maybe with the exception of Shinny, um, very young. And then we've obviously got Kazim Richards, who's coming to the other end. But I think you'd look in, in general, looking at the championship side, I'd go in and go, right, I want an experienced keeper, I want an experienced centre-half, I want a centre-midfielder who's going to be my captain and I want an experienced striker who's going to get me 20 goals. And that would be and my how, four or five players. And how do you see the team playing? How do you think the style of play, what's, what's, what's the best way of playing, do you think? Depends on your players, doesn't it? Because I, I've, I've said this before when people have said, it's like, well, Koku tried to play in a certain way and... Rooney's come in and we've spoke about this and Rooney's changed it because he's getting the best out of what he's got. So I think you, you play, you set up with your players you've got. So depending on what I like to watching, anyone could be anyone in the championship. That's a cliche, but it's got to be direct. I think you've got, you've got to be, you've got to have a, a, di- a, a good spine and a direct style. And look at Derby now, look, when they played at Birmingham and they're falling up, um, Forsyth, I remember them saying on commentary, Forsyth opened up at left back and just thumped one up the channel, won a throw in, Derby go and have a chance. And the, the on I think it was Don Goodman said they he would never have done that under Koku. It would have been foot on, probably turn back, go home, and then go quite and from my opinion, I think you've got to go a bit more direct, turn him over, hit the channel, um, get it, get get up, get out, and you don't necessarily have the time. In the championship, do you? You're no better than me. You've played in the championship for what, 15 years, aren't you? 15, 16 years, and too long. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't think you. I don't necessarily think unless you've got an unbelievable squad like Derby had in 2014, a brilliant side. I don't think you can you can play that possession football because teams just pressure. And and once you get found out, and Derby were getting found out under Cocky, and, and it, it's just right. What all you have to do is watch them once, and all you have to, and then they go just press them. And unless you've got an unbelievable back four in midfield that can just go pop, 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 and you're away, you're going to struggle, aren't you? Well, I think you touched on the 2014 team then. I think 
the two things that come from that team having played against it obviously I totally agree with everything you saying in terms of the directness and what McLaren did I always call it you know they sprinkle a bit of gold dust on it but that's essentially what he did wasn't it he, he put like a little bit of salt and pepper on the steak <laughs> for me but they were fit they were athletic and technically very good so if he was going to play that style of football like you say you've got two centre-halves that can play in midfielders you've got to get up and down the pitch. And that's what that team had. They had technically good players in areas where you needed it. And that's where they had. And they had a good spine from Granty, from Richard Keogh, Bucco, uh, mm. the, obviously the midfield with, with Jeff, Bryce, Will Hughes, however they rotated or played. Yeah. But Jen and, and Chrissy Martin through the middle. It, it was solid. And I think um, you touched on Gopoto. You talk about the way that Rooney's looked at the squad and, and done. What do you think He's done differently to to Kaku. He's gone. He's he's gone more direct. And I don't know if this is the Rooney touch or also McLaren because it's it's the same setup. Don't get me wrong. The squad ain't in the same in the same league respectfully. Like I don't want to, but it's it's very similar to 2014 where he's gone with that the the four three three and gone and he's got his big man in Kazim Richards. who has been a revelation and I'll be the first to hold my hands up and say I I didn't get I couldn't get my head around that signing at first. Um, well, he's a focal point, isn't he? That's yeah. the thing. He gives, he gives you a focal point, and he's a bit of an old-fashioned number nine mm. in many ways. And if you think, if you look at the successful size that we've talked about, Stevie Howard, Chrissy Martin, Kazim Richard. Now, I'm not putting that, saying that this side is as successful as them, but there's a bit of a running theme in terms of, like you talked about, the spine. And he's, he's a focal point. If you're going to be direct, you need that point, don't you? Yeah. And he, and he can be one, he, he might be a one in five, one in six striker, but what he offers, and this is what used to annoy me a little bit about Derby fans with Chris Martin, because what he does off the ball and what, what he does, the little stuff that, that you don't see, Kazi Richards does a lot of that. It, it can be running your absolute bollocks off for 75 minutes and, and not letting the centre-halves and the full-backs have a moment's peace. So it could be like making a little, making a, a clever run one way to create space going the other way. He's a clever player like that and you need a player like that especially when you've got um, players like Josriak and, and wingers like that. If he comes, if he's coming to get the ball at his feet and you know he's going to hold it up, them two, wing, them two who play on the wings are going to bomb inside every time, aren't they? And that's what we saw at, at Birmingham and Sibley and was getting in every time. And so, yeah, it's a big, it's a big, big position. And I was gutted when Christian Martin left. And obviously he's, he's at the career, he's at the time of his career where he wants a bit more security and I understand all that, but... It's a massive position, isn't it? I think it's an underrated, underrated position to to sometimes a selfless position just to go right. I'm just got to go and hold the ball up and probably get volleyed up in the air as well as I do it and win a foul. But it's a massive position. Would you be an advocate for Rooney to take the job full time? I think it'd be difficult not to give it him now with what he's done because it's it looks like a different side. They they were absolutely you couldn't have brought a win towards the end of Cocu and I, I like Cocking and how he conducted himself through five or six things that happened in 18 months he was here that some managers never go through in the career um, and he always handled himself impeccably so I think he was a great bloke disappointed that he went but I think there was no choice and, and since Rooney's come in it's, it's not like a different side yeah I agree with you I think um, it's probably going that way it probably looks looks like it's going to go that way with him Um taking the job from what the reports you read. So look at the club now and obviously the reports have come out in the last couple of days. What are your thoughts on what's happening in terms of the takeover? Is it a worrying time for you as a fan? Oh yeah, it's it's worrying. And it's worrying because it's the first few times you get told it's imminent, it's in the coming days, you kind of go, alright then yeah, yeah, obviously there's a lot of paperwork, so uh, it's a lot of money being but that's like end of November, it's meant to be sorted and then a couple of days and then when you hear that payers aren't being played that paid that's that's when it starts getting a bit worrying for me um i heard stephen pierce who's the finance director on Talksport earlier and while he he said all the right things he didn't necessarily fill me with confidence um he was asked straight could derby go into administration and then i think he, he didn't say yes or no he kind of skirted around it is the takeover definitely going through uh, we've not been told anything that it won't go through, but that's not a yes. This take it, so it's it's really, really it is worrying time. 
there's been rumours for a while, and I've heard bits and bobs about different things, which obviously I won't get into, but it's a very worrying time. And obviously now it's affecting transfers, because obviously while I take over his three under embargo, so it could end up with us not being able to sign that player that keeps us in the championship. So it's it's a very worrying time. It's a very, very worrying time. Well, I think looking, if they don't sign anyone, I think you can look at the squad and say it's probably got enough to stay in the championship. The fact that the club's where it is with that squad, it is a false position, but it's also a bit of a false time for football. So, yeah, I, I hope, obviously... For your sake, and for obviously the fans say it doesn't do that. It doesn't go that way, I should say, and that it doesn't get as bad as administration and everything that comes about, which you've seen with Wigan. But I would like to think that the, the way the club's been performing in the last six weeks or so, that they'll have enough to, to stay in the Championship comfortably as well. I don't think it's going to be a case of... But but you would have seen it before, Lee, but more, more than me you get these clubs occasionally that are in the bottom three and they just go, it's all right, we'll pick up, the results will pick up and we'll get out. But the longer they don't, and Derby have picked up, but they've still lost a couple and they're still in the bottom three, the longer you're down there, it gets harder and harder to drag yourself out of it, doesn't it? So, while I don't think they'll go down, I'm not saying they will, but the, the longer they're down there and the more negativity around the club and negative results, it's it just gets a little bit harder each week, doesn't it, to think, well, we've, we've got to fucking win this week because we're right on the... And then must-win games become must-win games. Yeah, they do. And I think as long as you beat the teams around you, that's the, that's the key. Unfortunately, I've spent too much time down the end of the table for too long. But that's, uh, that's the key, is to beat the teams around you and keep, them, keep mm. them in the mix. But let's go on to a bit more of a, to finish up the podcast, a bit more of a cheerier ending, shall we say? Because that was a bit, my God, I feel like I want to cry now, Blake, to be honest <laughs> with you. Yeah, glass eyes about to shed a tear. So um, where do you want to be in five years? Good question. Uh, difficult question to answer. Um, living in London, being a producer of a radio station of some description, uh, a breakfast show. A breakfast show producer living in London, Radio 1, Radio X, something like that. I want to be producing a breakfast show somewhere within five years. I want to be in London as soon as possible, as soon as this lockdown's finished. But I'm not necessarily bothered about being an on-air personality. This isn't, this is just a little bit of fun. For, in all seriousness, this is like my little, I got told at Radio Derby I wouldn't be on the radio because of my voice. So I just kind of just started doing this. I thought, oh, I've got all these people, I'll just do it myself. So I'm a producer by trade. I want to get in, make the best radio show I can possibly make, national radio. And I want to prove a few people wrong, really, campaigns. A few people, uh, I won't get too far into it, but there's a few people that uh, are Whoa, don't go in them <laughs> waters, my friend. Don't go in them waters. I just want to prove people there. wrong. We'll leave it there. It's always a good motivation. It's a great motivation. Blake, it's been brilliant. I've really enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, something a bit different. I hope now all the talk, Derby to me fans, and you're, uh, you're like the Pied Piper, aren't you, mate? Leading all these <laughs> podcast fans through. I hope, they I hope they know more about their leader. You're a bit like Jesus. Whoa! No, no religion. No religion. I am going there. Yeah, I've actually got one question to answer. I, I forgot to ask this last week. It was a one oh, question I wanted to answer. No. One quick question. One quick, quick. It'd be like one, one line answer. Tips for growing your hair. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Somebody give me an answer because my hair just stopped. It just stopped in a, a woman's bob. Did I don't it? know. Oh, I don't know if he's going to say like coconut oil or something. No. Um, Honestly, I don't know because when I got injured and I was up in bed for I don't know two months or whatever in a knee brace, couldn't get out to the hairdresser, so my hair just grew and I left it. And I was planning on growing it out a little bit anyway because I'd had it shaved a bit, but then it just sort of went and went and went and went. And then I don't know. The answer to the question is I don't know, but it's a pain in the ass when it's long as well. Uh, but uh, anyway, thank you, very much. I appreciate. I appreciate. Like letting me interview you. Wait, if there's um, if there's yeah. any, if there's any other help I can give you with your media career, you let me know, mate. Anytime, I'll I'll help you out whenever I can. Oh, there's one thing I, I I didn't touch on as well last week. You spoke about advice, whether you don't get where you get without people opening doors. Do you know what I mean? Everyone needs an opportunity. If if you walk through that door or not, and is that's what it is. So 
mate, I wish you all the best. I hope in five years you are doing what you're doing and uh, then people are proven wrong. Thank you very much, Campy, and thank you once again for, for doing it. Loved every minute of it, mate. You take care and I'll, uh, we'll speak soon. Sound, mate.